0: This is the Preparedness Radio Network, preparing you for natural and man-made disasters, helpful tips on gardening and homesteading. Be prepared, and remember, preparedness saves lives. This is the Preparedness Radio Network.
1: this week's The Prepper Pat Show, where your host, Tony Tangelis, will discuss self-reliance as a lifestyle choice and offer useful resources to help keep your family prepared for the challenges you could be facing.
2: Okay, Preppers, we are doing the second part in our two-part series on how vital ham radio is as a prepper communication solution. We have in studio today Mark Kiesauer from the Amateur Radio Council of Arizona. And Craig Carnahan of RF Gear to Go. Welcome to the Prepper Patch, guys. Oh, nice Thanks for you. having us. Yeah, last week we covered how inexpensive and easy it is to study for and receive a ham radio license, and how to hook up with the local ham club in your neighborhood uh, to get training and get it uh, have a is it called a Elmer or a, yes to uh, help you train, and uh, how inexpensive and easy to use some of the radios are. This week I want to go in depth with uh, some of the killer apps that you can use a ham radio because um, this was the original social media tool, wasn't it? Correct. It's been around for more than a hundred years. Uh, you know, ham came out right after the land telephone line was invented. Um, who's it, Marconi that uh, started this?
1: Yeah, Marconi started that. I think it was in 1903 when he did his famous uh, across the ocean transmission. And since then, it's uh, it's grown to be a very popular hobby.
2: Yeah, and then the FCC had to get in and license it because people were all over the place with. Well, uh, just, sure.
1: You could have your own radio station. You could do whatever. But that's yeah. more down the road when. At the very beginning it was all CW because that was all spark gap stuff. So, you know, you were transmitting all over the band, all over the frequencies, and so that was good communication from a CW standpoint. But once, uh, once we learned how to do modulation and do like this radio station here, which is AM, then people started starting their own radio stations. So it kind of got out of control after that.
2: Okay. All right. So what I want to do today is start start the program. You know, there's so many. The, the ham is a big universe. The whole universe of amateur radio is ridiculously large, and you've got three licenses, the technician, the general, and the extra, and there's mm-hmm. different bands that are that you are allowed to access as you get to the next license. You get greater That's bands. Correct. We covered that last week. Um, but there's, there's so many different actual technologies. I mean, there's, you know, different meters, 2 meter, 20 meter, this meter, that meter, and then there's, FRS, GMRS, CB. Uh, Craig, uh, try and give us an overview of the, of, uh, without getting too technical, of some of the different things that are out there for people.
3: Well, most people are familiar with CB radio, which in ham lingo is what we refer to as 11 meters. Um, okay. ham radio also has, uh, bands below that, above that, and so on. So you'll hear guys on ham radio, for example, use 10 meters. 10 meters and 11 meters, uh, are so close frequency-wise that they're, virtually identical in the way they perform. Uh, a lot of hams like to listen to CB radio uh, to determine where the skip's coming in, for example. Um, in, in ham radio, you are legally allowed to use more power to talk to stations at a greater range and so on, whereas in CB radio, although it's ignored by a vast majority of the CB population, um, literally you're not allowed to talk, you know, a 1,000 miles away. Um, the FCC is completely giving up on enforcing that because it's just ridiculous. But in terms of VHF, UHF, there are literally, literally thousands of, of frequencies available in even a simple little, you know, $60 hand radio or what we call HT or handy talking. It's just enormous.
2: And for our listeners that aren't familiar, of course, I was in the 70s. I I had a CB radio. I was Huggy Bear. That was my call sign. It's legal to use CB without a ham license, right, just for our listeners to clarify that. Correct. The second you step out of the Citizen's Band uh, range and you start getting into any of the ham ranges, then that's when you need the FCC license.
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, for example, the the FRS, GMRS radios that are really popular right now are are in uh, ham radio ranges. They're in the 462 megahertz range, which we have... Uh, radios that are in that range as well. The difference between a lot of folks that don't quite understand is they'll run to their local big box store. They'll buy their uh, 70 or 80 dollar GMRS, FRS combo radio. And they'll see all kinds of advertisements on the box of, you know, range of up to 35 miles, 36 miles, whatever. And I tell people all the time, it's, it's more like acres, uh, not miles. Um, the, the antennas themselves are really short. Uh, they're not very efficient. You can't change them out. Um, you're only getting the 5 watts when you're on the seven GMRS channels, which you're supposed to also have a license for. There's no testing, but you're supposed to send the FCC a check. And the second you turn that radio to an FRS frequency, it drops automatically inside the radio to a half a watt. So a lot of people find out very quickly that their 5-watt GMRS radio doesn't have the range of a 5-watt ham radio for a lot of different
2: reasons. So help our listeners understand the distinction of where they start needing a license. So you can buy a GMRS and use it without a license? Is that what you're t- saying or telling our listeners?
3: Technically, you buy a GMRS radio and you send the FCC a check for $85. Mm-hmm. And, wow. And that $85 uh, is good for any member of your family. So it's not per person. And yeah. uh, I believe it's good for five years.
1: Yeah, five years, and that's it's $50, too. I've, I've got a GMRS license. There so you go. It's, it's A lot of hams have, you know, kind of cross talk stuff you know they do they have other licenses and other services and things so so
2: the the, the gmrs license is not so if you have a ham license you need an extra gmrs license to use that you're not okay if you
1: want
3: to use gmrs yes um the the the, what the fcc has done is they've come out with a couple of different services to try to get people frankly to move off of cb because cb has been a nightmare for them um, one of which is is FRS, which most people are familiar with, but they also have another service called MERS, which is Multi Use Radio Service. Uh, it's basically right above the two meter ham band. In fact, a lot of hams just refer to it as FMCB. Uh, on 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 both FRS and MERS, you need no license at all. There's no money exchanged. You don't you don't get a call sign. You can sit there and still be huggy bear, but now you're doing it on on uh, MERS.
2: Okay, and then once you get into the FRS, now you're stepping into where you do need the HAM license to do FRS, or you can still do that without license you, as well? You can absolutely do that without a license. Okay, okay. All right, um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the different uh, bands and the frequencies that people use. What are, what are some of the more common uh, bandwidths and frequencies that people use in HAM uh, with a technician-level license?
3: Well, the technician level is is VHF and UHF. Uh, you also get, uh, I think it's 200 kilohertz on um, ten meters. Ten meters. So you can use uh, that portion, which is approximately the same size as, as your 11 meter CB band. Right. The difference is is that you are allocated or authorized to use 200 watts as a technician on ten meters, whereas legally you can only use four watts on CB. Okay,
2: so you have tremendously, uh, much bigger power output.
3: Much bigger power output, but you, you get access. You know, in the VHF, UHF world, yes, technically it's line of sight, but hams being the ingenious types that they are, and some of them being, you know, nerdy geeks as well, have figured out ways of tying that into other bands and other services like we talked about last week, IRLP, where you can take a handheld ham radio that's five watts, tie it into the Internet, and be talking to a guy in, you know, Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, that, that's fantastic. You had mentioned you were doing that with some of your family members earlier. Mm-hmm. So, and let's talk a little bit before we go to break. We're coming up our first break here. Uh, the distinction between what we're calling prepper radio and ham radio.
3: Well, prepper radio is basically where the, the, the individual realizes that he or she needs to communicate with members of their family and they realize that CB is not the best way to go. So they generally go down to their box store and they, they see this stuff that says 35-mile range, and they buy those.
2: So GMRS, FRS stuff GMRS, we just FRS talked about. GMRS, FRS
3: is generally considered to be prepper-type radio. But some people are using marine bands. Some people are using MERS.
2: Yeah, and then so, so we've explained the distinction. And we'd also like to share with our listeners, it's really important. You know, I, I run into a lot of pirate preppers that plan on stealing stuff. I run into a lot of people that plan on just being lawless when the Skittles hit the fan. But it's really a good idea to get a license and and use this technology legally. We certainly don't want to endorse or support the idea of just buying the technology and using it. And, in fact, uh, didn't we discuss a little bit last week that if people try to do that and it, they're, they're, they stumble around and obviously don't know what they're doing, the people running the repeaters can basically shut them down, right?
3: Well, not only that, but hams practice a technique called fox hunts. And there's a lot of guys, especially in the Phoenix area, that, that are very good at this, and you get on a VHF or UHF frequency for very long, and they can triangulate and tell you exactly where that signal is coming from, and I mean down to, you know, knocking on your front door and saying hi, how you doing?
1: Yeah, and they won't—they uh, won't just go up and knock your front door. They'll go call the FCC and say, exactly. hey, here is the location of this person, because as hams, we're not allowed to. Be the the policemen of the bands. I mean, we do have people that are out there called official observers, which will actually listen to stuff and then report people that are either out of band or pirates or whatever. So you have that. Um, lots of people do that. It's just one of those secret things that you don't hear a whole lot about. So you're out there yakking away on your favorite repeater. You've you've kind of taken that over. Um, I guarantee, you, and somebody in 15 minutes will find you and, and report you where you are.
2: Yeah, and, you know, Craig, we're coming up on break. Uh, I want to cover that story you told me about the five-year-old at the Expo after we had her last show about how interesting she was. Sure. Um, but uh, one of the things I wanted to mention to our listeners, we have a event coming up here on February 1st. It's called The Road to Victory, sponsored by the Conservative Business League, and it's going to be at Fort McDowell Casino, uh, Fort McDowell Adventures, uh, 14803, 14803 North Hiawatha Hood Road, in Fort McDowell, Arizona. It's going to be Saturday, February 1st, from 9.30 to 4. And it's going to be uh, an event that uh, my buddy Ron Lutters is putting out, the Conservative Business League. It's going to have uh, candidate tables, vendor spaces, a VIP reception and photo shoot. And uh, entrance fee is $30. Uh, if you want to go, please visit uh, the Conservative Business League Roundup website, which is com. Uh, also, some of the ham events we have coming up. There's a, uh, uh, Mark, you want to share with us, our listeners, the uh, Williams Ham Fest that's coming up in July of this year?
1: Sure. Well, we have actually a couple more ham fests are going to be before that. Uh, the next one coming up that, uh, we're involved with will be Spring Fest, uh, held over in Scottsdale. That'll be on, uh, March the 15th. And that's over right by, there's a church over there. I think the name of the church is Mountain View. I don't have the information in front of me. Uh, but it's right across the street from Taser, so if you know where Taser is in Scottsdale, you'll you'll find it. The next one after that um, will be in April at the DeVry University, and we're thinking that's going to be around uh, April the 12th. We haven't got the final date for that. And of course, then our big event that we have up in uh, Williams, Arizona, will be for the uh, what we call the Summer Ham Fest, and that's the big one we put on every year. And we get quite a few people. You're allowed to um, come up in the RV park and uh, do whatever you whatever you need want to. There's lots of people there.
2: Okay, great. Well, we're going to be right back with uh, Marquis Sauer and Craig Carnahan. Talk more about ham and how you can use ham to really communicate in a grid-down situation. We're going to talk about a field day event that the ARRL puts on every year. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the
0: Preparedness Radio Network. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Everyone knows that the fresher the food, the better. Better for health nutrition and of course taste. This is especially true with grains and flours that can become rancid so quickly. That's why it's important to have a quality grain mill for use today and in your preparations. The Wonder Mill Company is the only American company to produce an electric mill as well as a manual mill and they're made with the highest quality materials and workmanship. They create the finest flours whether from whole grains gluten-free grains, beans, and even more. The Wonder Mill Electric Mills and the Wonder Junior Deluxe Manual Grain Mills are the highest-rated grain mills for good reason. They work and they're built to last. Visit the Wonder Mill website to check out their videos, reviews, recipes, and to find a dealer near you
4: today. That's thewondermill.com. Want to reduce your dependence on the electrical grid? Trying to save money on groceries? Preparing for a major power outage? We can help. Layman's is your source for everything you need for heat, food, light, and water when there is no power. Glenda Layman Irvin here for Layman's in Kidron, Ohio. My father, Jay Lehman, founded our store in 1955 to serve the local Amish with non-electric appliances, tools, and houseware items. Today, through our website, laymans.com, a print catalog, and a retail store, we provide oil lamps, water pumps, wood stoves, canning supplies, and hand tools to customers all over the world. If you think it isn't made anymore, check with laymans before you give up. Visit laymans.com or call us at 1-8- 77438 for a free catalog or just stop by. We're located about an hour south of Cleveland.
0: Thanks for listening to a word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show on the Preparedness Radio Network.
3: Welcome back to the Prepper Patch with your host, Tony Tangalos, Today, Tony is discussing some of the specific steps that you can take to become increasingly self-reliant and embrace the preparedness lifestyle.
2: Okay, we're back here with Marquis Sauer and Craig Carnahan. We're talking about ham. This is the second show in our two-week show on ham. And, you know, we've been hitting hard how valuable ham is and how easy it is to get and easy to study for the license, easy to take the test, cheap. But Craig, you have a, you shared a story with me after our last show that's really touching, and this is, this will really drive home just how valuable and important ham radio is. Uh, share with us your story as you were cruising up to Vegas.
3: Yeah, I was on my way to, uh, to Vegas, um, uh, and, and as most people do, drive up from Arizona, and, uh, uh, you know, probably 20, 25 miles outside of Kingman, um, is a little town called Chloride, and right before we got to Chloride, came across the scene of an accident now the lady had already gotten out of the car or somebody had taken her out of the car she's sitting against the car she's bleeding um and four or five people were running around with their hands up in the air looking for a cell phone signal um a a typical cell phone tower cost about two million dollars to put up so i can understand why you know uh all the major carriers weren't out in chloride um, you know, where they might get four or five calls a week.
2: Yeah, that's Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, the exactly. uh, uh, area. Up and, there. and when I got out of the,
3: when I got out of the vehicle, I grabbed my handheld like I normally do. And, uh, as I'm walking up, a couple of people said, you know, well, what service are you on? <laughs> and, and before I could even answer, they were telling me, you know, well, we don't have AT&T, we don't have Verizon, we don't have, you know, T-Mobile and so on. And I said, it's not a problem. And I dialed up the Kingman repeater, which, you know, is probably 25, 30 miles behind me already, but it's a mountaintop machine. And as soon as I dialed it up, there were guys talking, and I explained the situation. They said, we'll have, you know, an emergency uh, ambulance on its way in a few minutes, and within two or three minutes total, max, um, you could hear the siren, and it was on its way. And, you know, a lot of people that look at prepper communication always look at it at a, at a, you know, end of life on the planet Earth as we know it and don't seem to realize that there are literally thousands and thousands of other things that you could use it for in an everyday scenario. When my wife you know is traveling with with the friends and relatives in a car in front of me or behind me or whatever it's a real pain in the neck to keep trying to call back and forth on a cell phone to say okay at this next intersection turn right
2: you got to wait for the phone to dial you got to enter the yeah, number yeah,
3: wait for it and to it ring becomes, they gotta it becomes pick it up. dangerous you know you yeah. don't want to you don't want to be in a situation where you're trying to text it's and drive exactly. Um, you know, with ham radio, you literally grab a microphone, key it, and
2: you're talking. Yeah, and, and they can hear you hands-free. The the radio can be sitting in the dash. Exactly. They don't have exactly. to pick it up. They don't have to do anything to to receive that call other well, than have their phone. Well, on, not only that, but on. if you
3: plan it a little bit in advance, most of the ham radios today and a lot of the commercial stuff that we sell also has VOX. And what Vox does is lets you do hands-free transmit.
2: Voice activation. Yes, okay. voice yeah. activation.
3: So you could literally have a small microphone, you know, clipped to your, to your, uh, shoulder. Yes, yours even does. Even it these, too.
2: even these bail phones, these $70 bail phones have it? Bail yeah. fi- phones? Ba- Baofeng Baofeng is how yeah. they pronounce yeah. it in China, <laughs> yeah. but, but Baofeng. yes,
3: even those have it. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a little clip-on, you know, microphone next yeah. to your shirt, yeah. you know, you start talking,
2: it starts transmitting. Yeah. And then, yeah, and it doesn't cost time, it, or it doesn't cost money, it's uh, Yeah, there's no know. monthly fee yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's great. I mean, those are some really great examples. You know, again, we used CVs in the 70s like that when we were carpooling from Chicago down to Sh- uh, Champaign Urbana to go to U of I and uh, go watch a football game. You know, we all had our CVs mm-hmm. on, we were all, you know, hey, smoke you up ahead, slow it down, and all that type of stuff.
1: But, and, and that's about as good you know, as a CV can get.
2: That's, yeah, that's a good yeah.
1: application for it. Yeah,
2: yeah. But, uh, you know, your your instance of this situation in chloride, I mean, that could, there's a lot of places that you don't have cell service. You know? No,
3: I've actually talked to folks from, you know, down in canyons uh, to my wife hundreds of miles away at home. And they'll look at me and say, there's no way you can do that because, you know, we're surrounded by canyon walls and and there's no repeater out here or whatever. And I'm like, no, guess what? We can do it. Yeah.
2: Speaking of canyons, mm-hmm. I love to hike the Grand Canyon. I've done it many times. I've mm-hmm. slept at Phantom Ranch. And again, you know your cell is probably not going to work down in, in, in the no, Grand Canyon, won't. but you can mm-hmm. park your vehicle with uh, what would you put in your vehicle next to the You, you would,
3: uh, as I did. You can park your vehicle and use what is referred to as a dual band radio that has cross band capability, okay. and it becomes a portable repeater. Okay. So with that, you can dial up your your cross band mobile to either hit another link or use you know IRLP or whatever it is you're going to use. Believe it or not, there are repeaters now at the Grand Canyon. Um, so it 's just a matter of getting a signal up from the bottom of the canyon up to you know normal street level. And you can accomplish that easily because you know the, the, the antenna on the back of the truck is literally looking down. Right. It's right. like having a so you mountaintop you almost, machine.
2: You almost have line of sight at that point. Well
3: mm-hmm. you do, but it's it's mountaintop
2: where you your right. you know your portable
3: repeater is a mile up. Right,
2: right, right. And that's a that's a great thing that you can use anytime you're out in the wilderness. When, oh, you, absolutely. when you're camping, hunting, a lot of hunters out there want to have yeah. the ability to communicate. I mean most of the cell cell coverage doesn't work in a lot of the north you know well, North Kaibab plateau where you, people go elk hunting all the time.
3: Right. Years ago when I was and, up on the rim we had a guys weekend out and my four-year-old son came with us and um, you know the guys had been trying to to raise their wives and or girlfriends all day long with their cb and their linears and so on and uh, it was just a four-wheel drive camping trip and that evening my son came to me right after we had finished you know the pork and beans and the and the mac and cheese and that stuff and said you know daddy is it time to call mom yet and i'm like yeah it, it is And he's like can i do it and i said sure And he ran to the truck, he turned on the radio in the truck, he hit the crossband button, he'd seen me do it a thousand times before, grabbed the handheld, comes back over to the campfire, and says, can I call her? And as long as you're a control operator, meaning you're in charge of what's going on, even a four-year-old can do it. That's right. And he literally called her over the Mount Ord repeater, and the guys were giving me a lot of grief because, you know, it was like, come on, four-inch antenna? Really? (laughs) <laughs> and within about fifteen or twenty seconds, she walked over to the kitchen radio and answered him and I got like six new hams converted right there on the spot <laughs>
2: <laughs> well that's fantastic so I mean we just gave listeners we just gave you some real world examples of how ham can be used not just in a grid down situation but in very effectively when you're when you're in a remote area where a cell phone isn't working to communicate and, and let's face it communications key i mean it's just it's important and and the ham ham radios will really give us a leg up on that. Well, let's get into talking about the uh, distinctions between just using your your uh, ham and then and different types of repeaters, with a repeater, without a repeater, open repeaters, closed repeaters. If you can, we have about five minutes before the next break.
3: Well, anybody that's licensed can put up a repeater, and you can do it as a technician class license. Now you'll have to get the repeater coordinated, and in Arizona, you're going to talk to the people at ARCA to do that, and they have a repeater committee that that handles that to make sure that you're. Uh, frequency that you're setting up on mm-hmm. isn't already used or it's not in range of something else, and it won't, you know, uh, cause them problems. But once you have the repeater up and running, um, you can decide whether or not you're going to leave the machine open, which means any licensed ham can use it or if you're going to close it. Um, you can also have a, a club repeater where you will encourage, but you can't force comply, somebody to join the club and pay the $25 yearly dues or whatever it is. Most clubs are relatively cheap. Um, for their dues, and in doing so, you know, you help the club because it does cost money to put up the tower, and, you know, generally these things are, are you know, way up in the air on a mountaintop site. They're not usually easy to get to, so, you know, when you're building the box uh, to house it in and get the power up there and everything else, it, it costs money. So I greatly encourage as many people as possible that are in Ham Radio to pick at least a club and support that club.
2: And when you talk about a closed repeater, um, how, how, without getting too technical, how would someone that has a closed repeater limit other hams that aren't members of the club? Is there some type of uh, password, or how, how do they how do they limit the access to it?
3: Well, them? most repeaters have uh, what they call a PL tone, and if you and if you want to think of it, Motorola uh, patented that technology years and years ago, and he, and he used to call it uh, private line, and that's how the term PL came up. A PL tone is basically, for the lack of a better, easier way to explain it, almost like um, a dog. what the dog can hear at a a higher frequency than what human ears can hear. So every time you key up a repeater, you're generally also keying in a PL tone every time you, you talk. And the repeater hears that other tone, and then it repeats your signal. So an easy way for some people to shut down a machine is to either change the PL tone or not give it out, and there are ways for you to search and find it, but if if they've gone to the extent of saying, "No, we want a closed repeater," and you suddenly get on and of course by law you have to ID every 10 minutes, um, fairly quickly they're going to know who you are and they're going to look on their membership list and say, "Gee whiz, you know, if you want to use this machine, um, we'd like, you know, a donation." And again, they can't legally force you to do it. But they can they stop the they, access
1: Oh, Yeah, they can the
2: keep machine. moving the PL tone. Or
1: they can do a DTMF code, which is a code you can plug into the um, transceiver that you have to hit these four buttons, let's say, before you can actually access the repeater. Exactly. They supposed.
3: can do DCS. They can do all kinds of different things to yeah. limit access.
2: Well, we're coming up on a hard break at the half hour here. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mark Kiesauer and Craig Carnahan about all the different ways you can get involved with ham and some of the things you can do. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the more popular ham handheld sets that we have, uh, the Baofeng, and then the Yesu, and then just a bunch of other ones. And we're going to also talk about the APRS, the Automatic Position Reporting System, which is a really neat way that you can track people if you're trying to, if, if they want to be tracked and you want to track them and they give you their call sign. It's, it's the, this is something you, you don't have to do, but you can do, and it's a really neat way to track uh, people as they're transported. The
0: you're listening to the Preparedness Radio Network. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Making the Best of Basics Family Preparedness Handbook by James Talmud Stevens. He's been a part of the preparedness community, sharing information since the beginning. That's why he's known as Dr. Prepper. Making the Best of Basics has been the all-time best-selling volume in the preparedness industry for almost four decades. Updated and revised to provide the most relevant information available. You can choose the new CD-ROM version that's jam-packed full of special features. Or, for instant access to all the information, you can purchase the digital download version and have every how-to, every article, every recipe, and every resource available immediately. No wait and no freight. Visit www.makingthebestofbasics.com today and get your hands on this essential preparedness resource. While you're there, take the free Family Preparedness Self-Assessment Test. Be sure to stop by MakingTheBestOfBasics.com for the CD-ROM, digital download, or print book, or all three. Making the Best of Basics. If you're going to buy just one resource to help you maximize your preparedness, this is the one. Making the Best of Basics.
5: out the award-winning hoodswoods video series was cool wait till you see this from karen hood of survival.com and hoodswoods video productions comes survival quarterly magazine with some of the best names in the industry like ted nugent michael hawk dave williams and of course karen hood along with too many more to list survival quarterly magazine puts survival in the palm of your hand just visit survivalq.com for current and back issues and don't forget to keep up with all things survival quarterly at facebook.com slash survival quarterly
0: Thanks for listening to a word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show on the Preparedness
1: Radio Network. Welcome back to the Prepper
3: Patch. With your host, Tony Tangalos. Today, Tony is discussing some of the specific steps that you can take to become increasingly self reliant and embrace the preparedness lifestyle.
2: Okay, preppers, we're back here with Mark Sauer, the vice chairman of the Amateur Radio Council of Arizona, and Craig Carnahan, who's with RF Gear to Go. And uh, we're talking about ham. Last week we talked about how easy it is to get a ham uh, license, to study for it, and to purchase the ham. Today we're talking about a lot of the utility and use of it. Ham was the original social media. Uh, I do like to point out our, our tagline here at the Prepper Patch is prepping. It's not just for doomsday, it's for every day. And I would agree with that. That's exactly what we're yeah. talking about, this ham here. We gave a number of instances of when Craig was in a, uh, uh, came upon the scene of a car accident and he used that ham in a daily environment and also driving down the road, keeping in touch with people. You can do it hands free. It's a lot more convenient and safer, which for people that have seen me drive know that that's an important <laughs> thing I need to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this APRS system. You know, one of the most common questions I get asked by people that come up to me, I would say the most top question I, I get asked is, you know, Tony, we're worried about things getting bad, and we want to bug out. We know we need to bug out, but we don't want to bug out too early. We don't want to stay too late. You know, it's that old uh, song by the class, "Should I stay or should I go? If I stay, there will be; tr- or if I go, there will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double." Right? So they're asking me how to how to bug out of town, and 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 then a lot of people are having anxiety about knowing that there's a good chance we're going to face a pirate prepper, and there's going to be a kill zone, and how to get through that, and how to have a convoy, and all that, and so. One of the key things that people are looking for, especially if there's a grid-down situation, because a lot of these repeaters are self-powered. So even in a grid-down situation, like they had in Katrina and Hurricane Sandy, the repeaters will work and people will be able to talk on the ham radios. So you, you told me um, after our last show about the APRS, the Automatic Position Reporting System, Share with our listeners how, how that can be used so people can actually keep an eye on people if they want to be, ha, have an eye cut on them.
3: Well, I think it's important from the prepper standpoint to realize that this is something that you as an individual control. You can turn it on. Right. You can turn it That's off. It.
2: So so unlike, the NSA, unlike the NSA ex- listening in on her cell phone whether <laughs> yes, we want it, them to or not. This
3: is not a situation where somebody can spy on where you are if you don't want them to. That's right. That's right. Um, so once you have APRS turned on and, and it's now actually acting uh, and, and sending out or reporting your signal, uh, you can use a number of different services. There's one um, that's very familiar with most hams called uh, APRS.FI, and it's not .fi.com. It's just APRS.FI. Once you get there, you can type in that particular HAMS call sign and see where he or she is. But it also gives you a lot of other information. You can see their altitude. You can see their speed. I mean, Tony's looking at one right now on his iPad where a friend of mine who lives up in Congress, Arizona, and, you know, if you look at at how accurate it is or or the most recent timestamp, you'll see that she hasn't turned it on for a day or two, but... When she was, you could see her speed, where she was, and so on. Um, when they go mobile, this is a great part about APRS. I mean, you're talking about in a grid-down scenario, which hopefully doesn't happen very often, but when it does, yeah, you'd like it. But for a lot of hams, we use APRS all the time in a day-to-day thing because if you're trying to hook up, you know, you're you're going to go up to north to a camping spot. You've not been there. A friend of yours is already there. Gee, wouldn't it be nice if he has, you know, ham radio and APRS mm-hmm. – where he can turn that on, it starts sending out a, you know, a, a short little burst every five minutes, ten minutes, whatever he wants, and it says, here I am. And it tells you exactly where you are, you tie it into aprs.fi, you can see it on a map, you can drive right to their camping site and never even talk to him on the radio.
2: Yeah, that's fine. And you can actually calibrate the frequency of that burst, that little ping that it sends out. To, to you can you change can, the frequency of the duration of that. When I say you frequency, mean, you, the, you timing, mean, the timing. You're talking about it. how often, yeah. yeah how yeah. often? Yeah. yeah. You can
3: just des- yeah. decide how often you want that to go out. Now, now there are APRS apps available in smartphones now. So for the ham who says, "Gee, I have an older style radio, or I have one of these newer, cheap, um, I should say, inexpensive uh, Chinese radios." Uh, they don't automatically come with any kind of APRS beaconing system built into them. So you can say, okay, I can either buy something additional to add to it, or I can spend $0.99 on my cell phone, go to my app store, download the app, plug in your call sign, and now guess what? It's sending it out. Now, the problem with that is that only works as long as you're in range of your cell site. But while you're there, if you're in the greater Phoenix area, Tucson, Flag, whatever – you know, or you, pipe, you know, drive past a, a uh, cell tower, it'll send out that and it'll alert people, okay, here you are. So s- sometimes, for example, you'll see somebody will say, hey, I want to uh, send out my signal every two minutes on APRS, and you might look and see a 20-minute gap. Well, that's because they're either outside of an APRS repeater, Distance wise, or they're outside of that cell phone tower distance wise.
2: Because they're using it as a cell phone, not as a not they could, as a, right a radio.
3: And yeah. and as soon as that cell phone tower and or APRS repeater picks you up again, boom, it goes out again.
2: And again, if they turn their phone, their their, their ham off, it's it's not going to report. They so don't even
3: have to turn their ham radio off. They, they can off. disable they can just, that feature. They can just disable the APRS feature, uh, or they can disable their app.
2: And the distinction between the cell phone and the ham radio is that the cell phone has to work with the cell the cell tower. Exactly. The ham works with the repeaters and then the ham they can also communicate verbally with to, to whoever their destination is with their ham.
3: Yeah, APRS and also supports texting. So you can send short text text messages back and forth using APRS. And a lot of people like to do that too. Mark is much more of an expert at it than I, but you know, there are guys that use APRS daily.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's amazing how many people are on there. And let me, let me give our listeners a little bit of a a technical background, if you would. What an APRS system is, is basically a GPS receiver hooked to a device called a tracker, or a TNC, which is a terminal node controller, which is a, which is basically an old packet mode, we used to call it back in the early days. And of course a, a transceiver, and that could be either 2 meter, 440. There's actually an APRS frequency for just about every ham frequency that's out there. Now the usage depends on what the frequency is, but the most popular obviously is VHF, which we call our oh, two meter. There's oh. another one on 440, which is getting to be popular too. So in hooking all this up, what it does is you have, most hams have an old beat up transceiver not using anymore. And they can take that and hook it all up to a tracker and a GPS, GPS receiver and be able to use this as an APRS tracker. Now going through a APRS uh system uh because the cell phones and the APRS use basically the same kind of internet connectability it's not unusual for me when I'm tracking some of my friends back on the east coast I can watch them cuz they're they're doing their tracking and we could do little short little communication mess little text messages and things hey where are you we're going to stop here in a few minutes blah 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 so on and so forth so for that kind of utilitarian benefit it's great because then you can Talk to your friends and talk to your neighbors, talk to your people that you're most associated with um, without having to actually be in line of sight. And it's not unusual to see people coming down, let's say, from Canada, the snowbirds that we, we see every year. They're coming down or going home, talking to their Canadian buddies. They're maybe a couple hundred miles apart, but, hey, we're going to stop here at this campsite for the night. Do you want to catch up and, and stay with us there? So it's a, that part of it is a very, very useful thing. The other thing that uh, automatic position reporting system is is really good at is we have a lot of events here in Phoenix. Um, you've probably known about the uh, rock and roll marathon. You've heard about some of the from the Tour de F- uh, Tucson. Um, a lot of these are actually attended by hams, and their usage for this is to be able to track um, let's say search and gather vehicles, which we call SAG or ambulances or fire trucks or police. And what's nice about that is let's say you're at an event that maybe stretches out a hundred miles. Let's say a bike race or something. And let's say somebody along the route, gets a flat tire or maybe runs off the road and gets their knees scanned up. Well, the guys that are manning these systems back at the control center can say, hey, look, we got a, we got a report of a gal that's down. Um, we need to send an ambulance to her or a SAG vehicle. Let's find out. And usually a lot of these vehicles will have a, have a ham radio APRS unit in. Uh, let's see vehicle number four you're the closest
2: uh, you're two miles away. Go back and pick up this gal because I can see him right on the right on the website you can see, they, them right they can see right where each of those vehicles are it's like it, to put it in a in a lay person's term to understand it's like with with this technology you're like a courier dispatcher, so you've got you know you've got a courier service and you've got vehicles all over the the valley and you've got a pick up here and a drop off there. Yes this gives you like being in the in the captain's seat of being the dispatcher where you can actually see where every vehicle is. Whether it's a police vehicle or a fire vehicle or a, a package courier, and you can you can you can connect the dots, so to speak, so and, got, and
3: in real, time. Yeah, so in real
2: you, time, yeah. So if you've got a caravan of people heading up north, and some of them are trying to just to go camping, forget forget about the grid down situation, just to go camping, and one of the vehicles gets stuck or runs out of gas or has a flat tire, you can actually look at this and see who's the closest vehicle, and and exactly. you know, either text or communicate right to them to to go tell them to, to help them, help it out. I mean, it's it's really. Fantastic technology. We're coming up on our next break. Um, now, the Baofeng radios don't come pre-equipped with the APRS. No. What was, uh, I've got dozens of friends of mine that have these things, and they love them. What do they need to get to enable the APRS for their Baofeng radios, oh, Craig?
3: Well, I mean, there's a number of different brands, and the one that's probably the most famous, I would say, would be Tiny
1: Tracker. Yeah, that's Bionics. He's a gentleman that uh, lives down in uh, Chandler that makes these.
2: Right. T- Tiny Tracker? Yeah, yeah, it's called Bionics. It's us call by us. Um, and um, do you sell these? Are you going to be selling these at your booth? And if you're not, I would encourage you to do so because i got a feeling they're well, going to be I guess, a hot Well, I item. guess now
3: I better <laughs> I better chat with them on Monday to see whether or not they want another vendor because this is oh, how a lot of yeah. this starts.
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they're going to be at our, at our expo or not. I Maybe mean, we should try and get them there. But he we, uh, he gl-
1: might. We have to call by and find out for sure if he'd like to come down. If he's listening right now, he's more than welcome to, to join us at Prepper Fest yeah, or yeah. any of our ham fest for that matter.
2: Yeah. Well, we're coming up on our third break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the ARRL Field Day, which is coming up in June, and how exciting that is. It's designed as a grid-down event.
0: Looking to get the real boil for your buck? The Kelly Kettle may be the most versatile and valuable piece of camping or emergency preparedness equipment that you can own. By quickly and easily starting a fire, protect it from both the wind and the rain, boil water and cook food at the same time, Kelly Kettle provides the ability to stay warm on a cold night, stay fed with hot food, stay hydrated, stay clean, and stay alive. All with a portable kettle that fires up with just a few pieces of natural fuel, like a pine cone, dried twigs, or bark. The Kelly Kettle is a highly efficient, portable, double walled water kettle and cook stove. It will quickly become your favorite accessory when it comes to camping, fishing, backpacking, and emergency preparedness. You don't want to be without a Kelly Kettle. Check out the different Kelly Kettle models and accessories today at KellyKettleUSA.com. That's KellyKettleUSA.com.
5: Imagine a food garden that you only have to plant once in your lifetime, that takes up very little space, that will provide food for you and your family for the next 30 years, that can grow five times more food per square foot than traditional gardening, where you never have to weed, never have to use fertilizers, and never have to use pesticide, ever. And the whole garden is disguised to look like overgrown underbrush, so no one would know you have food growing there. Interested? That's what the book Secret Gardener Survival, How to Grow a Camouflage Food Forest is all about. It's the essential prepper food source that can provide you with all the fruit, vegetables, nuts, and berries that you and your family can consume in a year. Find out how Rick Austin took a half-acre southern slope of North Carolina and turned it from red clay into a food forest in just one year. Go to secretgardensurvival.com and learn how you can do this, too. The book is available in paperback and Kindle versions at Amazon.com. The Nook version is also available at BarnesandNoble.com.
3: Welcome back to the Prepper Patch with your host, Tony Tangalos. Today, Tony is discussing some of the specific steps that you can take to become increasingly self-reliant and embrace the preparedness lifestyle.
2: Well, Preppers, I hope you're enjoying the show. This is the, se- the last segment of our two-part series on Ham Radio. And we have with us, uh, Mark Keysauer, the Vice Chairman of the Amateur Radio Council of Arizona, and Craig Carnahan of RF Gear to Go, both of which will have booths at Prepper Fest Expo, which I should at least give one little plug for that. It's gonna be March 21st, 22nd, and 23rd at the Arizona State Fairgrounds. And, uh, we're gonna have all sorts of stuff there, but we're just, today we're just focusing on ham. They're gonna be right by the Ham Radio Pavilion. In fact, Mark's running the Ham Radio Pavilion for us with ARCA. And, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, uh, one of the things that we talked about that we definitely want to hit is this field day with the ARRL. Mark, share with our listeners kind of the background of how this came to be and, and how much fun it's going to be.
1: Well, the ARRL, um, has a thing every year called a field day. And what a field day is, is where hams go out. Um, basically, they just drag all their equipment and out to, uh, a, usually a, some sort of primitive location, set up antennas, set up their rigs, and operate for basically 24 hours. And DWRL Field Day started back in the early 30s. I think 1933 was the year that they started this. And uh, both Craig and I have been involved in Field Day. We've, we've all gone. It's, it's a really fun event. It just shows you how well or how bad you're prepared for an emergency. And this is all um, this is all stuff from just normal, everyday people. They just go out and find a campsite somewhere, or they'll set up at a um, like a mall, uh, to get more public awareness, uh, we have a couple groups here that uh, go to the uh, the EOC center, the Emergency Operations Center here in Phoenix, and set up there. And it's just a good way to make sure that you got all your ducks in a row. So if something does happen, you can go out, you can operate, and talk to people. And we make it kind of a contest. So there's there's points. Uh, there's no money involved, it. it's just a matter of. You know, how many contacts can you make? How many places can you make contact to? And, and. How field, far away? Things like that. How far away? Um, and that's how my wife and my daughter both got ham licenses. They got involved in field day and liked it so much they went out and got their own license.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. It's the fourth, uh, weekend of June every year. So this year it's going to be June 28th and 29th. And it's basically going to happen all over the country, right?
1: All over the country in Canada.
2: Yeah. And if, if, uh, you, people want to have their own little, mini field day event, they can they can uh, report the usage of people that they've made contacts with to the FCC, or to, uh, to ARRL, ARRL, actually, yeah, it's, not it's, the FCC. It's kind of a
1: non, uh, it's just a, a kind of bragging right type yeah, point system yeah, that they have there. Yeah. And we've uh, we've been on it where we've had 50 to 75 people involved in it, and we've had it where it just been a handful. Uh, a lot of times these field day events will have people that are specifically set up to do certain things. We'll have people that are set up to put up towers and put up portable antennas. We have people that are set up radios. We even have one group that we went to with one guy did all the cooking for the entire group for
2: the entire weekend. And will there be information on the, uh, ARCA website, uh, for this?
1: ARCA website. Also, there'll be a lot more information on the ARRL website, which is uh, www.ARRL.org. And just type in at the top, uh, just say field day and it'll take you right to it and show you what's, what's there and what's all about.
2: And we want to give some more websites out. The Amateur Radio Council of Arizona's website is arca-az.org. And uh, for listeners that want to hear any of the past radio shows, including last week's show, it's not posted there yet, but all of our past shows are at preparednessradio.com. So it's preparednessradio.com. And, uh, Craig, I want to spend, you know, you've been very gracious giving us a lot of your time here talking about all the public benefits of ham, how easy it is, how easy it is to study for the exam, to take the exam, to get the license. How inexpensive it is to get the license and buy the radio, and all the all the ubiquitous ways that we can use ham radio to really solve a lot of communications challenges. Why don't we spend a little time talking about RF gear to go, uh, and let's start with some of the more popular uh, radios that are out there. That you know, I, I was at an event in November. It was our first prepper games event, and everybody had at least one of these Baofeng radios. Some of them had two or three. A lot of people had it with the earbud and the and the microphone so they could do the hands-free and all that. Is this, is this like a good entry-level uh, uh, piece for people to get started with?
3: Well, the, the biggest knock about the Chinese radios compared to the Japanese radios, which cost an awful lot more, uh, is the fact that for a lot of people, the Chinese radios um, are very, very difficult to program. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand their version of it. Uh, what we've done as a company is said, okay, if if a lot of folks find them difficult to program, we'll fix that, and we fix it by offering the program, or by offering the radio, I should say, in two versions, uh, and in multiple colors and all that stuff for the ladies that are listening. Um, version number one is you get the base radio, we test it before you you know take it, and we are finding about a two to three percent. Uh, gee, something's wrong with the radio before we hand it to people. so we pull those back and, and they get sent back. Um, and honestly, a lot of the Chinese companies merely take the return and put it back out on the internet and poof, now you're buying uh, you know a problem. Uh, but we also offer the radio pre-programmed and we can pre-program it for your area. So a lot of the uh, the national stuff, like, you know, 14652 is a simplex calling frequency that's that's known throughout the country as, you know, the place to go if you're trying to reach somebody. Uh, but we can program in, you know, if you're in the Kingman area and you want your Kingman repeaters, we can program them up. If you're in Tucson, we can do Tucson. If you're in Flag, we can do Flag and so on. Um, we also have a service for, uh, I, I guess I'll call it General Arizona that we call RimLink. And we borrowed that term from the ARA, which is the Arizona Repeater Association, because they use it. And basically, what it is, it's a series of mountaintop repeaters that are all over the state that are connected to each other. So you don't have to do anything. So you can be in um, uh, Eager, Arizona, which is you know spitting distance from New Mexico, hit the Greenspeak repeater there and talk to people uh, in Mount Ord, which is near Strawberry. You can talk to people up in Flagstaff on Mount Eldon. You can talk to people in Gila, on Smith Peak and so on. Um, and these are all mountaintop machines that are linked to one another. So we're trying to eliminate uh, the programming aspect of keeping people out of radio. If that's the issue, we'll fix it for them. Uh, we have 14 different brands of radios. Um, we're not tied to any one brand. I will tell you that... You know, some of them, in my humble opinion, are better than others, but a lot of it has to do as well with you know the kind of money and budget you've got. Because some of the Chinese radios, you know, you can get the radio and a uh, ham test online training class that we sell, and, and tax included, and be out the door for less than a hundred dollars. It comes to like ninety two dollars in some sense. So the idea that a lot of people had that you know I can't get into ham radio because it's just too expensive. I mean, we're talking a few lattes that you give up and. <laughs> You, you now have the radio.
2: And with the, with the absence of the Morse code on the testing, you can test, you can study for the test in a couple of days. Or in I, my I, case, I studied five hours and I've got 87% on right. the test. Right. I,
3: I had yeah. a little girl come by at one of your shows. Yeah. In fact, I think it was the first show that we did with you. Where, you know, she's blonde hair, blue eyes, looks like a little Heidi. And she comes bouncing by with her dad, she's got a lollipop in her mouth, and she stops as she sees me and she says to her dad, look daddy, he's an extra. And I thought, boy, you know, I mean, I didn't have a sign up behind me or anything, and I forgot I was wearing a shirt with my call sign on it. And I am looking around and I am saying, you know, darling, first of all, correct, you know, that's that's really cool. But if you are psychic, I'd like to borrow you and go to the track for an hour. And she said, Oh no, she says, I I I I forget her call, so I am I'm gonna I know I am gonna botch this, but it was like you know KG seven WHO or something. And I looked at her stunned, and I said, Wow, I said, Daddy must be very impressed. And she put her hands on her hips, like you know, little five-year-old girls can sometimes do. Precocious, very precocious. And she looked at me and she said, "Oh, Daddy's not into radio. Mommy and I have our licenses." (laughs) And I literally shamed him on the spot to go get the Ham Test Online training class from us. And I said, "Look, I mean, you know, come on. Your wife has it, your daughter has it, and you don't."
2: Yeah, I mean, so if a five-year-old can get a ham license, exactly. people, anybody can yeah, get a it's, ham it's, license.
1: It's fairly, and my daughter did basically the same thing when she was in high school. We went to a field day. She liked it so much, she spent like half a day on 40 meters, just contact after contact. And she wasn't licensed, but as long as there's a control operator there, correct, you can yeah. do that. And a female voice on radio, oh, that's that's, that's gold, yeah. that's this yeah. gold. <laughs> yeah. So she got done. She says, "I want this. How can I sign up for it?" So a couple guys there had brought all their stuff up. She went back to the to the tent, I think we had at the time. She studied for about two hours, came back out, took the test, and passed it. Wow. So, you know, and less, and less than just what it takes you to, to skim through it. She yeah, and to yeah. for yeah. any
3: of you listeners out there that think that, oh, there's a lot of math on it, no. I'll give you a statistic. Number one, there's not a lot of math. There are a few math questions. But you can miss every single math question on the exam and still pass. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, yeah. we, we believe so strongly in ham radio that uh, we're putting the ham radio pavilion at the Prepper Fest Expo. It's going to be a mandatory port of call on our Passport to Preparedness, which is a passport we give out to everybody that attends the Expo that gives them the opportunity to win free gifts and prizes. They basically have to take this passport and get a stamp, just like at a, a customs official when you when you enter a country, in the little spot on the port of call. We're going to give Mark, we're going to give you a, a, a ham radio stamp. Which I think you had one at the last
0: at we the did. last expo. We did, yeah. yes.
2: And you had just traffic all all, all weekend all long, all over the place. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a mandatory protocol, and it's going to really help educate people about the value of getting a ham radio, which we've worked very hard to do over the last two weeks.
1: So uh, yeah, come in and come in and talk to us. We'll talk to you all about ham radio, and and if you like. We can get you on the air. We'll have you we'll have you, talk to somebody.
2: I yeah, think. you'll be demonstrating. How many, what type of, you can demonstrate two different uh, bands you can demonstrate? We'll have one. quite a
1: few there. Actually, we'll have a full HF, which is the shortwave. We'll have a VHF, UHF. Uh, we'll probably have an APRS demo there. And if I can talk to some of the guys that are coming out that are more specialty mode, like uh, maybe uh, PSK-31 or some of the digital stuff, we'll
2: have it. And so just give our listeners an idea, if they come out to the Expo, how far you're going to be able to talk to out of state, out of country, all, all over the world, basically. Right? Uh, we
1: were here in stations in China. That's
2: good, wow. you any kind of fantastic. Education. Well, we're out of time, guys. Thanks so much. We could do ten of these shows, I'm sure. We could. We had uh, Mark Keysauer from the Amateur Radio Council of Arizona and Craig Carnahan. Craig, give your uh, website really quick.
3: It, uh, if you want to uh, email oh, us. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> that's okay. If you want to email us for any specials, it's rfgeartogo at gmail.com.
2: Yeah, and we'll be... Uh, Right back uh, next week, we are going to have uh, Shane Crouser is going to be our guest next week. I had a little laughs there. Shane Krauser will be a guest next week in studio on the Prepper Patch.
0: You've been listening to the Preparedness Radio Network, offering helpful and timely tips on preparing for natural and man-made disasters, timely and useful tips on gardening and homesteading. Until next time, remember... Preparedness Saves Lives This is the Preparedness Radio Network